On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, Grindhouse Girls friends and fam. When Jan Gonzalez was a child, his parents would try to keep him from horror movies, but still would describe the movies in great detail, which he said often ended up frightening him more. Later, as a teenage boy dealing with his sexuality, after knowing for years he was gay, he found as much comfort in horror films as he did in queer films. By the time he was an adult, though, and a filmmaker, he ended up wanting to create a film which would depict an ideal world a world that would reverse not the values but the norms of our society. He also would find inspiration in his main character and a female porn producer, a woman who was ahead of her time. His movie, Knife Plus Heart, would premiere at the 2018 Cannes Film Festival along with the soundtrack done by his brother, Anthony Gonzalez of the band M83. The movie would not only be nominated for the Queer Palm, but it would also go on to win the Prix Jean Vigo, usually given to a director for their independent spirit and stylistic originality. So head on over to Tubi or Shudder to watch it and join us on our deep dive and be careful about those blind birds and don't go wandering into any barns. This is the Grindhouse Girls Podcast. Katie. And hi there, I'm Brittany. Welcome back, 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 back again to the Grindhouse Girls podcast. I'm sorry, I've been watching more Drag Race. Ah. <laughs> but that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about knife plus heart or knife in the heart, depending on what translation you're going. But the English one is knife plus heart. I was so excited when I saw that M83 did the soundtrack because I really like M83. I was like, oh, okay. So, <gasps> Oh, you know M83. Oh, God. You, you probably do, too. Okay. So, do you know the song that's like, waiting in a car, waiting for a ride in the dark. Midnight City. Bah, 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 bah. Midnight City is know, like a huge down. song. And then like... Midnight City. Yeah. And then the song Wait, which is a time. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, they have a lot of good songs, so. Well, now I feel bad because I was like M83, yeah. and apparently it's M83, oh, so okay. apologies. You know what, maybe I've been pronouncing it wrong for years. I've just always heard other people say M83, but maybe we're wrong and M83 is right. But yeah, they're, maybe. they're pretty cool Maybe it demand, is wrong. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. I do, I do want to give a special shout out to the YouTube channel Real Queer, R-E-E-L, because that is definitely the first place I heard about this movie from. I would heard smatterings about it, but it was the first one that was like, yes, this is positive queer representation. I was like, oh, thank you. Because sometimes I don't know and I just want to do the right thing. But I just want to give them a shout out because this is a French movie. 
It's a send up to Jalo films. It's a little risque because it's about the 1970s porno scene. And it takes a real weird twist into the macabre and the fantasy, which I did not expect with this movie. And I thought you would love it, Katie, because I was reading a lot of interviews and Jan just said some of the most interesting things. But one of the things that he said, that I'm like, oh, Katie would like this. It was heavily inspired by Phantom of the Paradise. I see the resemblance. Yeah. Which, again, is a movie we will do, but I have some some special friends. That sounds really creepy. I have some friends who I discovered also love it, and uh, one of them is a musician and, and a composer, and I'm like, I need to have her come on and talk about this because she's the first person who actually knows Fan of the Paradise and has a passion for it as well. And I was like, oh my god, thank god, because I I fucking love it. I will say, this movie, I was expecting it to be the raunch factor. I was expecting Stranger by the Lake, since this was a French film, but I was surprised that the the sexual content is kind of more comedic and more, like, uh, softcore. Yeah. Like, it's there, but there's no cum shots, there's no no, uh, penetration I could see that all of these actors probably weren't actually having sex on screen, you know, which is fine. Either way is fine. But if if Stranger by the Lake kind of was too much for you, if, if you couldn't take it, this movie's not quite that risque. It's pretty raunchy, but it's also kind of funny. Like, there's a lot of editing sequences where, like, one thing will be going on, and then, like, it kind of transitions seamlessly into, like, a sex scene, but you're not sure that it's a sex scene at first. And then you're like, oh, no, this is the part of the porn. Okay. So, it's very funny. And, of course, the movie that we're talking about is Knife Plus Heart. Like we said, it is streaming on Tubi and Shudder right now. And it has been touted as a, a a queer giallo horror film starring Vanessa Paradis. And it's very interesting and it's visually very pretty. But I will say, very different than I expected it to be. Yeah, and he did uh, he did film this on film. And he's one of those directors that... Which is cool. Yeah, it's really... I feel like you can actually like tell like this was filmed on film. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, I was like, either... When I was watching, I was like, either they did a like a film grade, like a special effect mm-hmm. to make it look like it. Cause it's, it takes place in 1979 in Paris and Petty. Um, also, Oh wait, I should have given the warning at the beginning. This is a French movie. So Katie's going to be saying things in French and she's going to pretend that she still remembers her French classes. And I don't know if I'm pronouncing them correctly. So apologies up front. Because I may butcher some. Although I looked a couple of them up right before we started recording. We looked a couple up. Yeah. But yes. But so it, it takes place in the 1970s Patty. And um, they make it look like that. And they filmed it with film. Which I appreciate. Only Tarantino and Jan Gonzalez do that. Yeah. That's what he even gave a shout out to Tarantino. He's like, if it wasn't for Tarantino, he's like, you know, the art of film probably would have died out, but I can't imagine doing anything other than film. He's like, and I'll always personally film on film. And this is his second movie. So his first movie was also nominated for the Queer Palm, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's You in the Night, yeah. right? That's his first feature. Because mm-hmm. he's done some short films. Hideous was a short that was at the 2022 con. That he did, and then Islands was another one. Yeah. 
that he did. Yeah, he's interesting. I definitely also read a couple interviews. One was there was a review from Variety, and then there was one we also um, RogerEbert.com. They had one, but also Sugar Pulp. Huh. Who I'd never heard of. He did an interview with them and he really went into the background of the real life people that two of the characters are based on, which I thought was interesting because I was like, oh, I'm sure it's kind of based around the culture of the, you know, adult film industry in the 70s. You know, kind of like Boogie Nights. Isn't Boogie Nights about that it too? Is, yeah. But this is, this is an interesting one because basically there were two, uh, like it was a film producer, Anne-Marie Tensi. She made a lot of films under the pseudonym John Blois, uh, such as Le Grand Slut, like The Grand Sluts, which I think is great. <laughs> and there was another woman, Louis... Koningsfurther? And she was an editor of several of Anne-Marie's Tenzi, and they apparently had, I think, a relationship. It's from what I was listening to the interview, and it was kind of not 100% clear, but they had a, a relationship, and they did a lot of a lot of gay porn, but a lot of movies in general, and karate movies, apparently. Interesting. I know. I didn't get, like, as in-depth, and I tried to look up her, but, like, a lot of the articles about her were in French, so I couldn't really read them, read them. I found one that was, like, French Wikipedia. Oh, okay. And it translated it for me. So the gender <laughs> got swapped a bunch when they translated it. But this was from the, the the French Wikipedia. She made films under about the Le Grand Slut part, but she also had another pseudonym called Anthony Smalto. And she made some more gay pornographic films. One was called Pink Notebook of a Homosexual. And when I was looking up all of her, like, it was like a French IMDb that had all of the different films she made. A lot of them were just like, la la la, le homosexual, homosexual. And I was just like, they were really like, they want you to know what kind of movie you were walking into, apparently. They were like, there is no question about this one. But she had sepsis and diabetes that caused her to amputate one of her legs, apparently. Oh, God. And she did over a 100 films, either produced or directed, but most of them disappeared and only about 10 remain. Yeah, and that's what he said. That's what Jan said in the interview that he was like, she churned them out and he's like, so much in fact that you could see the same couch being used over and over and over again. So... Well, that's a porn trope. That's like a joke about the porn industry. They're like, we film eight films in one afternoon. Yeah, and I guess that's what he was saying too. But I mean, this guy is so funny because he even said, like, he was talking about, he said, uh, well, there's a few quotes. So I'm like, I don't know if I could read on the podcast. I probably could because we're pretty chilled here. But I was still like, <laughs> but uh, he mentioned that in New York, there was a sex party uh, to celebrate the release of the movie. And he attended it. He was like, but I felt really awkward and just walked around in my underwear. He's like, maybe... For this movie? Yeah. Well, the video version that I was watching was a... It, it sounded... Everyone in the audience sounded American. So I think it was a screening in America, but it wasn't a theater I recognized. And he was there. Kate Moran, who's one of the actors, was there. And she's... I think she's an American because she went to Tish. But she does a lot of French films and she's worked with him a lot. But they were talking about releasing another pornographic movie the next night. So I was like, so I didn't know if it was like, maybe it was a porno theater. 
And that's why they decided, because that's a big thing in this movie. I was like, maybe they did like a cool like submersion kind of thing where they were like, we're going we're gonna to screen this in a porno theater, which I think would be fun. Yeah. Other than Jan Gonzalez, who's the director and writer, we also have Cristiano Mangione, who's another writer, which they both wrote a movie called I Hate You Little Girls. I'm very concerned with that title. <laughs> and... um. Cristiano also did a movie called Lotus. He did camera work for that. So I think this is really like their big film, um, their big feature. And then we also have the cinematography in this movie is beautiful. It is absolutely gorgeous, which is one reason why I picked it was because I was like, ooh, all the pictures that I've seen in this movie just look beautiful. And um, that was done by Simon Bufils, Bufils, who did work on Still River... The Untouchables, which I actually have heard of that movie. I've heard really good things about it. And Fidelio, Alice's Odyssey. But he also, or they also worked with Gonzalez on You and The Night and Islands. So frequent collaborators, apparently. Do we want to go through the cast before we do the rundown? It is a big cast. Do you want to touch on just a few of the key players, maybe? And then if they come up. Yeah. yeah. I didn't I didn't write everyone down, but I wrote down important people. Yeah. So I we obviously have our star so it's Vanessa Paradis Paradis pa, I would say Paradis Paradis Vanessa Paradis who plays Anne and so I mean she has oh this woman has a very lucrative career because she originally started out as a singer and then she did model mm-hmm. acting work and then modeling work so she was like the face of Chanel for a while but basically mm-hmm. she got her start she had success for her song Jule Taxi at the age of fourteen. But then she uh, started a movie called Noche Blanca, and she won the pre-Romy Schneider and the Caesar Award for Most Promising Actress for that movie. So that kind of what really just, like, catapulted her. And then she married Johnny Depp, and they had two children, including Lily Rose Depp. Yeah, I don't think they were ever married. Oh, they were just partners. partners. for years? Okay. Yeah, okay. for years. Very, very serious. But that's why he he just did a movie in French this year that got released at Cannes. Because he knows French because he's lived there. They met, he was, I think, playing guitar on one of her albums or something. Okay. Or he has played guitar on her albums. She also did a movie called Heartbreaker, La Fille sur la Pont, and that movie Yoga Hosers she was in. And that's a Kevin Smith film, and she was in there with her daughter. Yeah. Because it was Lily Rose Depp, and I just blinked on the other young actress that was in that. Oh, it was Kevin Smith's daughter. Um, Fuck, uh, Harley Quinn Smith. Okay. Oh, Harley. Yeah, Harley yeah. Quinn. Yeah. But yeah, so she's she's our main character. She's an ambitious producer of gay porn with a drinking problem who's having a hard time letting go of her long-standing romantic relationship with her editor Louise, Louise. who is played by Kate Moran, which I think we said already. Yeah. And she's worked with Gonzalez a lot. Yeah. So Saint Laurent, You in the Night, which is another Gonzalez film, and six episodes of the TV series Cannabis cannabis and she was also in the tv series vampires so which i'm not familiar with cannabis are vampires no apparently she's done some operas too in the states and she went to tish at nyu and she splits her working time between nyc and paris so i was like all right and louise is the editor of the films and they've she's been with on for 10 years and she decides to walk away mostly because and very obviously has a very bad drinking problem and some temper issues for sure 
And then I think we should mention Archie. Archibald. Who's played by Nicholas Mori. Yeah. Um, who's aunt's assistant. I said that he was flamboyant, fun, and flirty because every single sanctioned plot of this movie, a uh, synopsis, I'm sorry, every single synopsis was like her flamboyant assistant. And I was like, I guess he is flamboyant. He also looks a lot like my friend Fawn, who's a mustachio drag queen, when they're out of drag. You know, like real, like a lot when they have the mustache at the beginning. And I'm like, I need to make sure Fawn watches this movie because, like, I was like, what? So, but, yeah. But uh, he's been in a lot of things, too. Paris Jetam. Yeah. Which is the, which, before I took French, I was like, Paris Jetame. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think that's how you say it. <laughs> yeah. Paris, I love you. He also yes. directed, wrote, and starred in My Best Part and was the director of 2017's Dolphin Moves. All right. Yeah, and 24 episodes of the TV series Call My Agent, but I love him. He's actually one of my favorite parts about this movie, I think. He's very fun. He's also, like, he does a good way of balancing between supporting Anne and trying not to support her addiction, but not doing the best job of it, but also not supporting her when she does something really naughty, which we'll talk about when we get to the spoilers. And then, I don't know, should we mention anyone else yet i don't want to yeah, spoil I anything think, i think getting i think if we mention anything else it could go kind of in the spoiler territory a little bit but yes uh so this movie is streaming on tubi and shutter right now and i would recommend it if you, again it's not for the young people but i would definitely recommend it if you're an adult and you kind of like steamy slashers um and if you like jalo movies but it does take a, a turn to the weird, so I will give that for warning before we get into our rundown, and then we're going to spoilers. Yeah. Ooh. And I would definitely call this a mix between a psychosexual drama and a giallo slasher. It's kind of in between. You ready for the rundown? I am. Okay. In the sultry summer of 1979... French gay porn producer Anne is trying to make her most ambitious film yet that both excites and exhilarates while unsuccessfully trying to move on from a recent breakup with her longtime partner and editor Louise. But when her studs start getting slashed and the police are pointless, she'll have to put all that aside to find the killer and stop them before she's left with an anticlimactic ending dun, dun, dun. i love that this movie starts out first of all it's like in a sex club it's like very like good like rent apparently according to online much more convincing snm bar than like cruising had and so like there's this really handsome guy with this curly hair dancing in this like leather bar and there's a man with like a furry mask on playing the drums that was weird I, the people in leather masks didn't wear me out i was like why is that man wearing an animal mask and basically nothing else drumming but okay and he sees this very mysterious man in the leather mask and he's like "Ooh, look at that guy and he looks at me like goes up these stairs and they go and they, they go to have a little tryst in one of their bedrooms first of all red flag the bedroom is covered with just pictures of people, like men, like torn out from magazines. 
I'm sorry. If you're an adult over the age of 25 and magazine covers are covering your entire bedroom, that's a red flag. That looks like serial killer shit. So first of all, I would have never gone in there. But then he he gets tied up, which I'm like, that's cool. No, no, no kink shaming here. But I already am suspicious of this man. And then he whips out a dildo. And okay, which we'll get to later. I was like, okay, but I was curious why this person who presents as very male has a dildo. I'm like, well, maybe something is going on with that. There has to be a reason. And so, like, it seems like it's going to get all sexy. And then it turns out that there's actually a switchblade in the mm. dildo. And he just starts stabbing. And in the worst spot imaginable. And that's our first kill. Which it, I will say. And thank God it doesn't go show. It doesn't show the knife. It doesn't. It doesn't show the knife in the butt. You just know that's what's happening. Yeah. I was like, maybe he just got his back. Yeah. I was like, oh, Until no. Until the police say it later. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But I will say... Inventive weapon. Is it? Oh, Brittany disagrees. Well, no, I just, I mean, I think it's very scandalous, but it just kind of reminds me about Seven and like, I don't know. That's like, that's the whole. (gasps) That is true. Well, the thing that gets me, okay. Well, because we're in spoilers. So that's probably the coolest kill. Honestly, all the other kills, I, I, the the thing that this movie lacks, and because I was really excited because it's a giallo, right? The, the kills aren't that elaborate. They really aren't. Which was kind of disappointing. Yeah, because when you said Jallo, I was like mentally preparing myself for like blood everywhere, like last bat and Me too. So I was like, I was like, yeah. It's not a very bloody movie at all, actually. No. But I will say the the other one. So so there's so basically what's happening is the first thing we see is on calling Louise and like saying I'll stop drinking, you know, or we can get drunk together like the night we met. And I was like, oh girl, hold on, something is very wrong with this picture. Um, and then you see the killing happen. Oh no, that that's right after the killing because she's like, I I don't remember anything. They kind of set up that maybe Louise or on might be the killer and like either on's having memory loss or louise is doing it. and i was like well that would make sense because that's why they would have the dildo so they look like they're you know they have a penis i was like okay that's interesting okay maybe it's one of them but then eventually in the film you see the two of them on the screen with the killer i was like well okay that would have been i wish they had kept that going throughout the whole movie but anyways so the other dildo kill is there's there's another actor because on the first guy that gets killed is carl and carl was most recently her like star of her um pornographic films and then they start filming again and then Thierry gets killed and Thierry has a heroin addiction issue and so he has taken heroin in the back of a it's a car but the car looks like it's an art installation yeah or it's like it's just broken down and like no one's ever touched it yeah Yeah. it's weird maybe that's something in Paris that I just don't know about because I haven't been but he's in like the backseat of this car and then the killer is like doing oral sex with him and then lets the switchblade out and it goes to the back of his head which was kind of cool but 
The setup wasn't that cool. You know what? That was also, to me, like, the first guy, though, he was, like, a willing participant until the knife comes out. Yes. The second guy is, like, nodding off because he's, like, in, like, basically, he's, like, he's just taking heroin and he's not really fully conscious. So that felt, like, even more uncomfortable because it feels like, And then, yeah, and then the third kill is this really sweet woman. She's a transgender woman. She used to do porn with Anna and then when she transitioned she's doing it seems like escort work maybe sex work and she's making a ton of money but she ends up like she likes Anna and she likes all of her old bosses so she actually ends up getting some of her friends in the film they're doing and her her kill is probably the saddest because she just gets lost from everybody at this picnic and then he just kind of shows up stabs her and then kisses her as she's dying yeah and then just leaves her with a knife in her back. Not even the dildo. Because apparently, I don't know, I feel like you should kill everyone with the dildo if that's your weapon of choice, right? I don't know. It was kind of weird. But that was total no consent because he waits until after she's basically dead yeah. to kiss her. So it was, it's a lot of consent issues, which comes up later. But I guess we should say, so basically, Anna's going through this breakup with Louise, but she's trying to make this ambitious porno and when everyone starts getting murdered, she starts basing the plot of the porno on her interactions with the police and the different murders and stuff like that. And she begins to call it first. It's like with anal, anal fury, anal fury, yeah. anal fury five, or and something. then yeah, and then she renames it to homicidal, homocidal. Yeah. And I was like, that's funny. I like that. And it ends up being like a really f- funny porno. Like, it's it's really good. And they do, re- obviously, they're using the same sets. But, like, Archie, her assistant, is playing her character, basically. So he just shaves off his mustache and, like, styles his hair very blonde and, like, wears the same overcoat she was wearing in the scene before. Also, she has these beautiful red boots throughout the whole movie. And I'm like, I want those red boots. They're fucking gorgeous. Yeah. But so, like, it kind of seems like maybe she could be the killer. And then it's like, well, maybe Luis hasn't been around. Maybe Luis is the killer. And then the the bird that keeps being around when people get killed sits on Luis's shoulder when they're having a picnic. And you're like, oh, maybe Luis is the killer. And then, so the whole time On's, like, following Luis around, going to, like, these nightclubs that she's, like, dating other women in because they're broken up. And she's really jealous and she like she like writes you have killed me on a film reel that she knows that she'll be editing and stuff. And it's very like psycho. And you're like, oh, and it's weird because she's supposed to be our heroine, but she's kind of like an anti-hero almost. And then she does something that really talking about consent is just not okay. Where she gets really drunk. Like they they go on this picnic. And they end up alone together. And then Luis kisses her. And she's like, I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. And then she leaves. And then Anna's, like, followed her there. And uh, she basically, like, sexually assaults her. Yeah. With her hand. And then Luis runs away. And that's when you see the killer in the background. And I was like, well, now, who the fuck is the killer? And that's when the movie takes a weird left turn. Yeah. Which, was there anything I missed or that we want to talk about before we get into the weird fucking left turn that is when the movie started losing me. No, I think I think that like pretty much sums up like <laughs> probably like the first half of the film, I would say. 
Yeah, it's a lot. But it's it's kind of funny. I like the first half because like it's kind of campy and like it's like you see someone get murdered and then you see her interact with the police and the police aren't going to help because they don't care. And then she basically spoofs the police in her films and then all the guys start fucking and sucking basically and it's really funny i also love that there's this the fluffer of the scene of the production company is like this sweet like dude and he's like i just i just do this for free i don't need anything i live with my mother yeah and he's but he like actually has a heart of gold and apparently he was in love with the first murder victim and he's so sad yeah his name is just mouth of gold it gets okay so shit gets weird so okay so it's very like it all you're seeing is what's really happening in real life and what the porn is becoming and her editing it so it's very much like this is all happening in real life it's very realistic in the real world then all of a sudden, one of the cops is like, the younger one is like, hey, this does not have high priority. So here's a clue that I can give you. You might be able to help us figure it out on your own, since obviously my coworkers don't want to help. And he gives her this feather, and he's like, this is a very specific bird that apparently went extinct a hundred years ago. But this feather has been found at every single murder scene. So... That's your clue. Here it is. He gives her the... Uh, he has her like a wooden box, like it's a prize. Yeah. And so he gives her the wooden box. And, and she's like, okay. And she finds out that this bird is only found in this like very specific forest. But how she finds out... And I didn't know if... I thought this was a dream sequence at first. Yeah, but and she I did goes, too. It must be someplace in, in France that like we just don't know about. But it's like this tower is like a stone tower in the middle of a forest and there's this woman there because she's looking up like birds like bird sanctuaries and bird like stores so she can get some more info but it's just like outdoors and i'm like well how are you going to keep the birds if it's outdoors anyways this woman comes out and she starts telling her this story about the birds and then her son comes out and she's like so these were birds who were blind and it was a mythology, like a belief, a folk tale that they would usher, they would absorb death and then fly into the sun, and that's why they went extinct. Oh, and, and that's like, why they okay. went blind. They went blind because they were too oh, close to the sun. Oh, they went blind, and mm-hmm. then eventually they all went to the sun, and they're gone now. Yeah, and they defeat death, and so she was like, "Okay." And then the sun takes a glove off, and he has a bird hand. He has, like, a talent for a hand. Yeah, and he touches on with it, and she's like, it's okay, he has a rare genetic disease. And I was like, okay, again, is this a is this a dream? It got very David Lynch. Yeah. Very Lynchian. And I was just like, which usually I like, but I just wasn't expecting with how realistic the rest of the movie was. I was like, okay, alright. But then we don't see those people again. Oh, and then also... Also, On keeps having these, like, x-ray visions of, like, yes. when she sleeps. And, okay, I get it in retrospect. I'm like, okay, that's more invented than if they, like, put it in, like, sapia or something. I get it. But they just were jarring yeah. to me. They're not pretty to look at. So, and I'm like, why do we keep yeah. seeing things in x-ray? It was like, it, I think it was supposed to be, like, a film negative. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's clever. Because of the film. Yeah. But it was, and you see, like, this man running out of a barn on fire, and you see somebody's severed penis 
in their hands. I think that was part of it. I think the severed penis were not was not going to pass the sensors at oh. all if it was just in someone's hand. So I think that's one reason why they filmed it like that. That's smart. In film negative. Yeah. But it is, like, kind of jarring. And I was like, are these her memories? And then Scott was watching it with me, and he was like, I think it's the killer's memories. And I was like, okay, so obviously something traumatic happened with his penis. Okay. Which is why he has a dildo. Okay. Okay. So then, so Anna goes out in the country to the forest that these birds are at, and she's staying with the, what was her last name? Vanier's, and the daughter of the innkeeper, Kathy, who's played by Romaine Boringer, who's actually, like, she's a pretty well-established French actress. She's been in The Apartment, Savage Nights, and Total Eclipse. She has a pretty long history. She kind of tells her, like, about this is the forest they come from, but it's really hard to get, it's really easy to get lost in. But Anna's like, oh, no, I'll be fine. Also, like, Anna, like, always has a bottle of whiskey with her at all times, too. At some point, Kathy asks her for a sip of whiskey, and she just gives it to her. And then her dad's like, yeah, the reason Kathy lives with me is because she used to have a drinking problem. So thanks for giving her a sip of alcohol. It's like, oops, maybe, maybe you should check on that before you start handing out sips. I don't know. I guess it's her choice. I said that, and then I was told that, well, you know, if someone relapses... It's not you. It's, you know, they've been relapsing. I was like, is that true? I don't know. Tell us in the comments. But she has like a lovely little conversation with Kathy beforehand. And Kathy leaves her because she insists. And she finds this weird graveyard. And there's this woman crying at this gravestone about her son, Guy, which is spelled like Guy. And she says, Guy was a good boy. And he thinks about me all the time. And I miss him. And she's like, that was fucking weird. And so she goes back to Kathy and she's like, who's this gee guy? Because his picture's also on his tombstone, which is kind of weird. But I think people do do that. So, yeah, we had, right. we had graves like that in Indiana, too. So Yeah, it, it happens. It's not as often, but I think a lot of times when it's like children and stuff, people are like, that's fun. Mm-hmm. But then I, sometimes I just get sad. But anyways, Kathy tells her about Gee, and she's like, oh, yeah, I knew Gee when we were growing up. Gee, there was an accident. He and his friend were in the barn, and the barn caught fire, and they never found Gee's body, but they found his father's body and the friend's body. Oh, fr- father, father has uh, alluded that he commits suicide after the, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And Guy, by the way, is played by Jonathan Guinet, who's been on Cosmos, Operation Libertad, and Vampires as well. So she's like, oh, I know who the killer is. It's Guy. Has to be Guy. Because, like, that's why he's wearing a mask, because he was in a fire and he has burn wounds on his face. So he's trying to hide them. Okay, tight. And so, like, I was still like, is it him? Like, it seems real weird. That's just a really weird thing. And then this is the other part that the movie kind of bothers me about, is that there kind of seems to be, like, three different endings. Yeah. Which we had this with Portrait of a Lady on Fire, where it could have ended three different times. And I was kind of just like, but okay, it, is that it? It oh. made more sense with Portrait of a Lady on Fire, though. But this one... This one, I literally turned off. I was about to turn it off, and then I was like, Me wait too. one minute. Wait one minute. Oh, it's still going. Okay, so. Uh, because, so she's like, okay, I'm going to set a trap for the the killer, and we're going to set up a porn thing, and, you know, this is, what'll ha- is what's going to happen. We're going to set up a porn thing, 
and um, we're and they start turning off the lights on and off. And then Luis realizes that first we think Luis is the one that's going to get murdered because the power goes out. And then it turns out it's just rats in the power box. And she's like, we have to go. I was like, okay. So she goes and then Guy is there and he kills one of the actors, Jose. And then he goes to kill another actor, but gets distracted by Anna. And then Luis jumps in front of the knife, which goes through her heart, which is why it's knife plus heart. Mm -hmm. Exactly when that happened, I was like, that's why they call it knife and heart. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Which, by the way, this is after Luis was sexually assaulted by Anna and wrote her a letter saying, I hate you. And I was like, oh, Luis. Oh, poor Luis. She's a saint. But anyways, so, and then he runs away and gets away. And I was like, what? Okay. Because I was like, that that setup was a great ending. And I was like, but then he got away, so it's not the end. So then fast forward. And Luis has finished finished the mo- editing the movie before, you know, she passed away. So there's they're showing Anna's new film, Homocidal, at the porno theater, and she's there, and like she's like imagining all of her dead friends as zombies in the theater with her, and she watches the movie, and this guy comes up to her, and he's like, "I've seen every single one of your films. This was your masterpiece." And she's like, "Thank you." I was like, "Okay, that's cool." But I'm still like, what the fuck's going on? And then you see this little boy. He's not a boy. He's a young man, Non, who he she, basically Anne scouted him earlier in the movie at a construction site. And even though he identifies as heterosexual, he's pretty open minded. And so she's like, hey, do you want to be in this porno? And he says, okay, because he likes the money. And he looks just like this other guy that used to be in her movies that joined the French Foreign Legion, Fouad. And so this guy comes up to Nan, who, by the way, is played by Khaled Alouch, who was in Do It Right in sequence 13. He's he's sitting in the back of the theater while Ons in the front. And this guy comes up to me. He's like, oh, are you in the movie? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm in the movie. And he's like, it's nice to meet the famous Fouad. He's like, oh, no, everybody mixes me up with him. That's not who I am. My name is Nan. He's like, oh, okay. And then you see the killer sitting in the back. And you're like, oh, no. But he has a different mask on. And so I'm like, oh, shit, the killer's here. Oh, no. And then Nan goes into, like, a like a sex room upstairs. And, like, where you have a flashlight. Yeah. Anonymous sex scares the shit out of me. That's the scariest thing. I'm like... Which apparently this movie started out as a metaphor on the AIDS epidemic. Uh so he is what is what he said in an interview, but then he didn't really go into a lot of detail. And see the interview I read is that he said peop- he's like, I know people will see it as a metaphor for the AIDS epidemic, but I was literally trying to say how society stabs gay people in the butt. Cause that really stood out to me. In the butt? That's the way he worded it. Like I actually okay. put it in quotations. Cause that's the thing. I thought like it was a metaphor for AIDS, especially because it was right before the AIDS epidemic started. Right. But yeah, supposedly that's what he was like. I know people see it as that, but he was more saying I guess I guess when gay marriage was legalized in France, there was a lot of violence, uh, and a lot of protesting yeah. from straight families in the streets. Like families Oh really straight people got bothered by gay people oh, having yeah. rights? Well literally they were surprising. Like, the way he Sorry. was describing 
describing it. Well, yeah, right. The way he was describing living in the South is like, that's just like the daily in and out for us. But like the way he was describing yeah. it, he's like, they were bringing their children and violently protesting. So he was more making a commentary on how society treats gay people, but then yeah. also about how he wanted this world to be where it was like they could just live their lives and it was just who they are. And Right. Because then this other interview, he just says, well, it started, he just said it started out as a metaphor for the AIDS epidemic and then it turned into something else. But then he never quite went into what the something else was and I was like, okay, so what? what is it supposed to be then? Because maybe it's also, because people did not take care of gay people during the AIDS epidemic. They were just yeah. like, oh, it's a gay disease. Yeah. And we don't care about it. It's like, that's not, it's, that's not how that works. So I, uh, I literally highlighted this. So this was the film inquiry interview that he did. Uh-huh. He said, so let me read real quick. To me, it was picturing a Brittany's lost- getting out her notebooks. Yes. My notebook. It's important. To me, it was picturing a lost island before AIDS came up. Of course, we can interpret the murder like the threat of AIDS. You can you can see the film as you want, but to me, it's more the violence of society. Society stabbing gay people in the ass. That's the quote from Film Inquiry. Like, word from word. All right. I, I get it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I told yeah, you, Jan. It's true. Jan says things that I'm just like, oh, I'm writing that down. So. But yeah, so... So they're at, so they're in the anonymous sex room, and as Nons is being stalked by Guy in the anonymous sex room upstairs, another one of Anna's films comes up, and it's like, okay, so then she figures out as she's watching the movie. So the movie was called All the Spunk in Country, something about semen, basically. And spunk in country or something. But it's basically like these two boys, young men, are in a barn making out. And then one of their dads catches them. And then they start making out with the dad. One of them starts making out with the dad. I don't think it was very weird. But it was very funny. And then everyone dances around the barn naked. While it's burning. And it's like this big... While it's burning. And it's this big thing. And then Anna realizes every person that's been killed were the actors that were in that film. And then she realizes what happened in the barn with Guy. So, then we flash back to what happened with Guy. So, Guy fell in love with his friend, Hikam, and they had a secret affair when they were teenagers, and they were making out in the barn, and his dad caught them, and his dad overreacted, in my opinion. Just, just a little and bit. castrated... Not castrate. He cut off his member. And then they set the barn on fire, hoping to kill the two boys. But Guy got out and ran into the woods and passed out. And supposedly the magical birds healed him. And that's when you're like, apparently. Uh, uh, I was like, okay. All right. Up until then, I was cool. I was like, why didn't the birds need to be in here? But maybe that was from... There's a thing about birds with Fan of the Paradise, so maybe that's why, because visually they're similar, but uh, either way, it was weird. So anyway, so she realizes, oh my god, Guy's going to try to kill Nan because he's going to think he's flawed, the actor that was in that movie, but it's, he's not here. He's in the French Foreign Legion. So she runs upstairs to the anonymous sex room. Also, I'm going to be a little upset because Nan's was charged three francs. For that room, and she did not charge Guy anything, the woman. So, was I, it because he was intimidating? I think so, because he's not wearing or was the he mask. a frequent flyer? He's not wearing the mask at that point or anything either. So she runs upstairs, 
And then she ch- she stops him from killing Nons, chases him out, and chases him and says, he's the killer. And then the entire audience, which is presumably gay men because it's a gay porno, stabs him to death. And I was like, so my question is, and that oh, and then you think that's the end, but then actually, then they're filming like this perfect utopia of an orgy, and then Louise's spirit comes back and visits on and then she disappears and i was like again anna sexually assaulted her why would she be visiting her peacefully why did she sacrifice herself for anna that's just depressing anyways and then the movie finally ends but my question is is the real villain of the film homophobia like okay because when i saw cruising the first time I thought that that was the reason the killer was the killer, was their parents were homophobic, they trained them to have internalized homophobia, and that's why they started killing other gay people. And so I thought it was attack on homophobia. Other people have different interpretations, which is why one day we will do cruising, but I want to have the right people with us so we interpret it correctly. But this movie reminded me of cruising, because I was like, is it... The homophobia of his father that's the killer. Or did he become the killer because he hates himself? I don't know, because he really seems to still love Hecom, the the his his love from childhood, because when he sees Non, I'm not even sure if he really was going to kill him. And then I feel a little bad for him for getting murdered, because I'm like, what if we could have just taken him to have some good therapy? Ooh. And realize that you don't need to hate yourself. But he also it's okay already, to be gay. He already killed like four people at this point. He did. I know. I'm just saying. I'm like, what? Who's the? Is he the real villain, or is the real villain homophobia? I don't know. I mean, what do you think? What do you guys think? Because I'm. I have no. I have no answer or opinion on this. I'm curious. I mean, he... That's my opinion. They mentioned that the birds erased his memory, too. So it was like, he may have, like... Oh. Yeah, he may have lived peacefully if it wasn't for the fact he... Because this is the other thing that's far-fetched. So it's like, the birds erased his memory. So then he wandered into Paris. And then he happened to end up in a theater where he happened to see this movie. So it was like something awakened (laughs) dormant in him because of that. But it's like, this is a chain of So it is internalized homophobia. Yeah. Internalized homophobia is the killer, y'all. But he also realized like he also loved his partner and his friend but it's like really it's like it's parents man like that's kind of fucked up parents suck yeah i mean not all not all parents but a lot of them do yeah no but it is it's it's the whole internalized homophobia and parents telling their kids they're not allowed to be gay instead of just being like what does it matter like they're still your kids and they can still have a happy fulfilling life there's a uh a artist i follow instagram and she had like made this story of like a like mom talking to her daughter being like you can't be gay or dad talking to daughter and then the daughter talking to her daughter being like i'm just worried your life will be hard if you're gay and then her talking to her daughter and she's like queer is beautiful and later she was like i can't believe she's like i can't believe how many people unfollowed me when I posted that, we so we have so much work to do because it was an absolutely beautiful comic. I, I mean, but that's I mean, especially in our fa- our parents' generation, I feel like a lot of our parents did say that to us, like "I'll love you no matter what," but I'm scared for you if you are. 
that's something that well, that's, I know I've heard. Yeah. So. I have had friends tell me about that is the reason they didn't come out for a long time. Other friends, interracial relationships happened too. They yeah. were like, my parents aren't, they, this is what they said. My parents aren't racist, but they've told me that they're afraid if I date someone who's not my race because of what other people will do to me. And I want to get to a point where nobody's afraid to date the person they love. Yeah. As long as everyone is a consenting adult. I feel like I always have to put that because, yeah. But as long as everyone is a consenting adult, I want people to be able to love who they love without fear because, you know, I think that's beautiful and it's lovely. And when people are so hateful and exclusive and homophobic and transphobic i don't understand how it helps you it just makes the world worse and you might become a serial killer with a dildo with a uh switchblade in it yeah i mean i'm just saying also nobody wants that my other my other thing is okay thinking about that so if poor Guy was like so traumatized that he didn't have memories how was he able to like order that or buy that off a shelf like that's a very I don't specific know. Maybe item. He stole it and made it. Maybe, but I mean that's very elaborate. Like, well, I mean, think about it. It's just, well, this is the seventies, but I'm going to say it's just silicone, right? I think you can carve a hole in that and put that in there and hide it. Yeah, but even yeah. the switchblade portion—that's pretty elaborate to make it come in and out. I don't know. To make it come in and out, yeah, like right, like because it's like, uh. yeah. I do like that all of the consumers of the porn just stabbed the killer to death. But I feel bad for Guy. Yeah. That's a really horrible thing to go through. But there's another ending <laughs> where they show Guy and Hikam living happily ever after and nobody loses their penis. Oh, I didn't see that. Is that like a post credit scene? The black and white where they're in the forest oh, and they're oh, like, I and they fell was, in love. I thought that was just a flashback to like, they fell in love and then it shows them kissing in the barn and then it's like, but his dad caught yeah. them one day. I just thought like. No, but then there's a happy ending ending. Okay, the happy ending ending? Because I saw like the part where he's like laying across his lap and everything and he's playing yeah. with his hair. But then they like kiss at the end and they're, they leave them by themselves. Oh, okay. Too. Okay. So I think I think they're trying to give Guy a happy ending. There's a lot of endings. It got really confusing. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. It got very confusing. Well, literally the whole second like like thing where like Archie is a satyr and stuff, and they're filming like an orgy. It's like it's over yeah. the credits at first. So like I'm like, oh, the credits are like white, and then as it, the camera pans down, I'm like, wait, there's more. They're filming a movie. What? And they're just having like a a gay orgy, and then Luis is just a ghost. I yeah. was like, okay. This is happening. <laughs> yeah. But, like, okay, the first, like, two-thirds of the movie, I was like, all right. And then I was like, what's happening? It wasn't even that I disliked it. I just feel like it was kind of meandering. And I also hate that on uh, Sexually Assaults Louise. Yeah, I it's hate brutal. that. And I hate yeah. that Louise is the one that ties. Because I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? Because she's just, like, so desperate. And it's sad. But, like, that's why Luis was trying to break it off gently and leave her because she realized 
Anna was struggling and, like, it wasn't going to get better. Yeah, well, it's like... Which is sad. I mean, I don't really feel like Anna's, like, likable in a few ways. Because even, like, it's like, okay, so her, her stars, who you would think would be possibly her friends, too, she's spending time on set with them, are being murdered. And then she's like, let's make this into a movie. And at one point, one of the guys is like, is this yeah. not affecting you at all? Like... Well, I think they were just trying to make it look like she might be the killer. And I was like, okay, but it doesn't make sense. She's so upset about her friends getting murdered. She doesn't really seem that upset. But then she does go out of her way to solve the crime. It's like she doesn't seem so, upset until, like, after the third murder, it feels like. It's like the third one that And then she was her. like, I really like Messia. Yeah. I'm so sad she's dead. So I guess I'll finally take up this apron. But yeah, I. so do you think Luis forgives Anna? I mean, she does save her life. I, you know, I don't know. I think it's a very complicated subject. Like, I think maybe she doesn't forgive her, but she still loves her and doesn't want something like yeah. that to happen to her. And maybe, like, maybe just, like, her instinct took control in that situation. The instinct was to protect her. But no, I, I don't think if it wasn't for the killer, I, I really do think she would have finally cut ties with her after that incident, honestly. It almost, like, reminds me of, like, you always hear a story about, like, abusive relationships where someone's like, I'm going to leave, and then they go back, and then that's when the worst you could possibly think happens. And I almost feel like that happens to Louise. Yeah. It's like, she's left the... And it's, I don't think Anna's evil. I think she has a lot of problems and doesn't seem to want to get help for them. Yeah. Which is sad. Also, we completely skipped over the bare sex scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the uh, what, what's the actual... Pronounce it for me, Katie. Grand Gugnol. Gugnol. So okay, Gugnol. They're short plays. Yes. So there was this thing in post World War Two. Grand Gugnol. La Théâtre du Grand Gugnol. Um, the theater of the great puppet, and this is from Wikipedia. Um, was a theater in the Pigalle district of Paris. From its opening in 1897 until its closing in 1962, it specialized in naturalistic horror shows, which sounds right up our alley. Its name is often used as a general term for graphic, amoral horror entertainment, a genre popular for Elizabethan and Jacobin theater. For instance, Titus Andronicus, which is Shakespeare. Basically, she goes to this lesbian bar and... There's these two women doing this performance, and it's like, if I love you, I'll kill you. And it's a woman dressed as a human woman, and there's a woman dressed as a bear woman. And so they start making love, and the bear woman starts scratching her, and blood comes out of her claws. And so then the other woman literally gets murdered, because she eats her, and she murders her. I have and it's fantastic. I have to say too. So in the same film and Corey interview with uh, what Jan they did, they were asking him how working with people on set was, and he was talking all these good things about the actors. And then he mentioned the actress during that scene, and he goes, "Yeah, she's a theater actress, and she was really, really intense." He's like, "She kept hugging on me, and she wanted to do some really intense things, like pee on the other actress." And he's like, "I just didn't know how to handle it." Like, <laughs> and like, I mean, just oh my like God. brutally honest too, because you know, like with American directors, they'll say things. They'll be like, "Yeah, well, there was one actor on set we had issues with. He was just like naming the girl the." like everything like, I was like oh my god she wanted to pee on everybody yeah which again with consent totally chill but always get consent 
Come on, y'all. Mm-hmm. But that that was one of the I was like, what is happening? But it was like in the background of the movie. I would say this does have a Lynchian feel though. I feel like there's a lot of just weird out of left field things that are very things that would happen in like an episode of Twin Peaks, the third season especially. That I was just like, what's happening? But I liked it. But then sometimes I was just like, I'm too confused. I don't understand what's happening. But then the first half of it is very much just like, it's a porn. It's a it's a horror movie. So, I don't know. But I guess on to pros and cons. I love the visuals. Yeah. I like the performances. Everyone was fun and good. I loved uh, Archie. And I thought Louise and Ann were very great. I really liked everybody. The bear thing was definitely memorable. I also, I honestly liked the killer's design and I liked the dildo switchblade as a murder weapon. I thought that was inventive and it was very like original. There was definitely nothing I had seen before and I wasn't bored. I was just baffled. What about you? What are your favorite parts? I would agree with you that like it's very visually like interesting, I think it's that that it's because it was filmed on film. It definitely has like this kind of vintage feel. It definitely looks like something that could be out of the seventies. I agree about the actors, especially the actor that plays Archie. I thought he was fun. He brought like a lot of comedic relief to the role, um, and to the film itself. I'll I'll say the story was interesting. Uh, cons one, this movie just made me sleepy. I don't know if it's like the sounds in there or what, but there was like some ASMR parts that like literally I could feel myself drifting off, and I had. To- you had that with Wolf House, yeah, too. Yeah, it's some. I don't know if it's, like, especially, like, the foresty scenes that it's just, like, there's something, like, with the chirping and, like, I don't know. It's just, like, so there was, like, well, a now few we times. know if we ever need to get you to sleep, we'll just play forest noises. Yeah, exactly. Let's get some birds in there, some crickets. We're good. So, yeah, <laughs> so there was a few of those issues. And then it's just, I don't. Like, me and you were talking, and, like, before we started filming, so Taylor watches most of these movies with me, and this is one of those movies that Taylor just completely zoned out of. Like, it was, like... Scott did, too. And it wasn't like he hated it. He just was, like, I don't know. He's, like, I'm not interested in watching the rest of this movie. And I was, like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, Taylor literally probably 15, 20 minutes in started playing on his phone, and then would occasionally look up like to see what was going on i think it was a very interesting idea i don't know if it was fully executed well yeah i really i like most of this movie but then it just takes a weird left turn and i don't know how to think about it i think the ending is very weird i almost wish they had switched the cinema scene to before the filming sequence And that was the climax with Luis dying. Like, I almost wish, like, she had realized what was happening. And, like, it it seemed like there were too many different endings. And I was very confused about that. But I did like the patrons stabbing Guy. It was just kind of messy and anticlimactic because it had too many climaxes. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Which can be a good thing. But obviously you get bored if it just keeps coming. But um, cha. Anyways, I don't know why I'm in that mood today. Um, and I don't get the fairy tale forest scenes. Yeah, I don't get the bird hands. I think the I think the birds were. I think the bird was a cool idea, but it was a little bit too left field. Like there's birds and they're blind, but they take away death. But they take away your memories too. Like you know, <laughs> maybe that's a real thing in France. Maybe, maybe. that is a real like myth. 
folklore. And you know, the weird thing is this came out the year before Midsommar, but the the bird hand guy reminded me of the guy in Midsommar who was writing all the runes. And I was like, is he magical too? And I just, I wish the kills were a little more inventive, you know, they weren't, the first one was cool. And then it caught kind of like boring. And I was like, okay, I wish it was a little cooler. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I want to give this movie, like, ratings-wise, I want to give it a 7 out of 10 because I like the first half. But I think I have to give it a 6 out of 10 because I'm so confused with the second half. Yeah. Which is low, but I wouldn't say it's a waste of time. Especially if you kind of like artsy movies. I feel like you might really love this. So, I don't know. Maybe 6.5? Maybe I'll go 6.5. Which is still not bad. Yeah. I. Uh, How do you feel? I actually was wavering between a 5.5 and a 6. So, right. it's not... Like, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I'm glad I... <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I watched it. And I feel really, really bad. Because you read interviews with, like, Jan. And he's like, oh, yeah, the American critics, a lot of them have been so kind and stuff. And I hate to be, like, that American, like, that's watching this film. Like, I don't get it. Like, but I... I I think it's interesting. I just... I don't know. It's just not yeah. something that I loved. And it's not something that I think... I'll, I'll, I'll remember it. How about that? It's definitely one I'll remember. I will never forget this movie. Yeah, I will remember it. I will it. say, I think part of it stems from the fact that there is a lack of positive queer representation in cinema. And this is, again, from two straight cisgendered white ladies. But there is a lack of gay representation in films. You know, and the entire LGBTQ plus community because for such a long time, like, there was the Hayes Codes where you couldn't come out and just have a gay character. You know, things, you know, it's 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 taking a long time for things to catch up. Maybe we want to be more forgiving about this movie because I want there to be more queer representation in horror films. Yeah. And the thing is, there is, there's underground representation in older films, which one day I want to go through a couple of the queer coded films because it is fascinating how people were like, we're writing stories for that audience, but not, they couldn't come out and say it. And it's ridiculous that they couldn't. But like, I do think we need more films by uh, queer directors. And so I want him to make more movies because I do think it's interesting, but I just wish it was a little tighter. I wish someone had just had him edit the ending a little tighter because I would love to come out and be like, everyone should see this movie. But now I'm like, ah, it's weird and interesting and memorable, but I don't know. But I want to see more movies. Like, I feel like I've talked about stranger by the lake to no end to so many people because it had such an impact on me. It was a really, really good movie. And it's, but it's, it's like, it's good in a, in a number of ways. Like, it's different, and it's unsettling, and the ending makes you think. And then there's the unsimulated sex, which is, like, really shocking if you're not expecting it. You know what? I, I hope he does more movies, and I hope... I want to see more from him, though, because I think he is an interesting person. This one had higher ratings than his first one did, so it could just be a... It could be just uphill constantly for him. Yeah. So... It could. Did you have a Grindhouse Girls rating? I did. I only had one, and I may have overshot it a little bit. 
So I rated <laughs> I rated it B for birthing bottles, blind birds, and burning barns. Okay. I had rated B for bears, birds, and blowjobs. Okay. Can we put blowjobs on the podcast? <laughs> I don't know. We did once and I just You 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 asterisked it out. And then I had rated F for fluffers, French porn, and fatalistic femme fatales. Oh, I think I kinda like the F. Okay. So we'll go with F. Although I don't think this movie's an F. I still gave it a 6.5. I still think you should go see it if you want to see like a a fun, kind of trashy, kind of funny movie. Maybe see it with some friends. I feel like with the right audience, this movie would have been really fun to see. I don't know. Maybe watching it on a Saturday night, chilling out, maybe wasn't the best way to watch this. Um, But I... I do think it looks pretty, and I would recommend it to people who like French cinema and who like kind of like sultry, you know, cinema, like sensual cinema. But anyways, but that's that's that. That's a knife plus heart or knife and heart. Go watch it on Tubi or Shudder. Yeah. And next week, Britt picked something. Yeah, so next week we are doing Thelma. Thelma. T-H-E-L-M-A. It's 2017. Not Thelma and Louise. Just, yeah, just Thelma. No, Louise. Just Thelma. It's 2017, and it's uh, streaming on Tubi TV, so... Yes. And it's kind of... This was on a lot of lists. Yeah, it's a... It's, I almost picked it last week. It's like a suspense. It's I think it's like more suspense than Shredder Par, but it's like under the suspense horror umbrella. I've heard it's the queer carry. Oh, okay, cool. That's interesting. I'm excited. We have a very female-driven selection this month, definitely. Yeah. Which, you know, as we said last time, we're still going to watch uh, horror films by LGBTQ plus people throughout the entire year. We just didn't want Pride Month to go without us representing the community and expanding our horizons. And I want to thank, like, all of our listeners from that community who have actually given us really good recommendations throughout the years because I feel like it just helps us be better allies the more advice you guys can give us and the more you can tell us how to be better allies because that's that's all we really want to do we just we just love everybody and i i love everybody and i know things have been really rough i hope i hope pride month is safe for everybody i know birmingham this week will have like their big thing and things have mostly been okay um we didn't get the drag ban passed it got they didn't have time for it. Woo. So it's not this session. So we're all good for a year. Thank God. Hopefully we don't have to fight that battle again. Also, the one in Tennessee got struck down as unconstitutional, as did the trans health care ban in Florida. Nice. That's good. Got struck down as I just heard about that. And the judge who wrote the <laughs> the the ruling was real sassy and i loved it it was hilarious npr was reading out loud and i was laughing my ass off i was like that's awesome i love that it's just like people ignoring science and ignoring people and just asshole people so anyways that those are two good things that happened and i'm very excited about those things so that's good but everyone just be safe out there if you see anything weird don't hesitate to like let people know so we just nothing bad happens as much as we can control it and just be safe and use the buddy system if you can you know if you're going out and about with festivals and things because it's also you know summer and people are gonna start traveling so just be safe 
watch some fun movies, wear your sunscreen. I started swimming again, and sunscreen is so important. We've had to up the SPF game. Yeah. For swimming. <laughs> oh, I know. Like, even me, like, I'm just like, I'll be outside walking the dogs, and then I'm like, oh, that's a new freckle. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Be careful out there. But, yeah, take care of yourselves. We're glad you're here. You're not a mistake. You're here. We love you. And the world is a better place for you being here. And don't forget that. Sorry, I'm going to cry. But I just want everyone to know that. We love you guys. And let us know if there's any other movies we need to watch and add to our list. Because we'll be watching them all year long. Any movie, especially if it's from... If it's a movie that needs a voice, just let us know. Because it doesn't have to be horror. It can be something... Just kind of out the bat. Like, you know, we love Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Definitely not a horror movie. But that is a great movie. And, like, I would recommend it to pretty much anybody. Yeah. I would recommend it to your grandma. Because I'm sorry. It's sensual. It's not even that raunchy. Yeah. It's beautiful. I've been looking. Because that's the thing I was talking with Katie and Ryan about. I was looking at a lot of queer films that were, like, international films. And, like, that were maybe... That hadn't came out in the last 20 years that, you know, came out in the early 2000s, 90s, 80s. And there is a lot of movies I added to my watch list because I'm like, man, Mm -hmm. like, I'm reading about this movie and it sounds like something I would love while I haven't heard of it. So, um, yeah, guys, uh, always. Because the patriarchy. Yeah. (laughs) And the homophobes. Yeah. Right. Right. I'm like, My Beautiful Laundriette is like one that I will be watching in the next week or two, I think. Ooh. It's Daniel Day-Lewis. I want to watch All About My Mother. Oh my god, yeah. I If it was streaming, that would have been our pick of the week this week, if it was yeah. streaming. So I really, really want to watch so it. It sounds so interesting. So, and uh, Tropical Milady and Happy Together. Malady. Malady. Malady, Malady. Right? It looks like, it's probably Malady. It's probably Malady. Malady's like a sickness. Oh. That probably makes more sense then. But I was like, maybe it's tropical milady. Yeah, you tip the fedora hat. No, that's probably yeah. uh, that's probably me uh, ha- ahead of its time. Probably me uh, not always knowing how to pronounce words because I read everything instead of listening to things. So I mean, it happens. Yeah, but yeah, really I, I um, I'll watch about just about anything once. So like. Yeah. always send us recommendations and maybe it's not for the podcast but we can at least say we watch it and have a personal talk with you if you decide to send it our way yeah. so and we can do it in the side and we're working on finishing up the discord so it's more streamlined for everybody i still need to add a couple links to it and it's something i can only do on my pc so now that uh i might have a little more time i might be able to do that this week so we can start putting the link on our socials so everybody can join because we're kind of honestly we're kind of testing it out right now just <laughs> because we're just trying to figure out like where where the where are the holes that we need to fill and where the where the weak spots so it'll be it'll be up pretty soon and we'll start putting it on the socials so then everyone can come talk and converse and whatnot it'll be fun yeah but i guess we're gonna say good night then right yeah. or good good day Good day, milady. Good day, milady. Good afternoon. Good day, milady. Tips, Fedora. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll say bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Be kind. Wash your hands. Take your vitamins. Uh, apparently, somebody just, I didn't get COVID. I tested negative, but COVID's back again. Mm-hmm. So make sure you're being safe when you're outside partying your little hearts off. Yes. Yes. And we love you guys. Thank you for listening. 
And let us know if you guys have any suggestions. Spade and either your pets. I'm about to go in there and love on mm-hmm. some little babies recovering from surgery today. Uh, take care of yourselves and each other. Yes, always send those recommendations mm-hmm. to us. Be safe. We love y'all. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Same spooky time, same spooky channel. Sit yes, nice stay spooky, y'all. y'all. Bye. Bye. Bye, Katie. Bye, Ryan. Bye, Ryan. Bye, Brett. Bye. Bye, Bye everybody.
The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.